Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Alyssa Petersell is a writer, therapist, and founder of My Wellbeing, an organization taking the stress out of finding a therapist. And now, finally, a guest on Money Savage Maximize. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Great to have you on. It's George Grumbacher, and it is time to go. Alyssa, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Absolutely. So, hi, everyone. It's so great to be here. My name is Alyssa. I'm a social worker by training. I'm also a published writer, public speaker, and community organizer. And about three years ago, I started My Wellbeing, where we do take the stress out of finding the right therapist for you. We also bring personalized and curated mental health resources to teams and companies, because now more than ever, mental health is more and more important. There's more of us than ever who are feeling the heightened stress of our times, and stigma is at an all-time low, and access to care can and should be at an all-time high, and we're making increasing strides toward that. So here to talk all things mental health and therapy. A little bit more about me, I'm also the youngest of three. My two older brothers, longtime dog lover, and you can usually find me in a coffee shop outside of COVID times. <laughs> well, there you go. I appreciate that. <clears throat> nice. I, uh, I also, you can also usually find me in a coffee shop too, so I appreciate <laughs> that. We, 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 we share a love for that. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so... I, I think you really hit on some some important things. Um, going through everything we've gone through, and we're having this conversation mm-hmm. on, on 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 July the first. Just just for mm-hmm. everybody listening. So I, I, we we were kidding at the top that it's been a heck of a year, and obviously everybody feels that. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, fundamentally, I've been talking a lot about how important it is to to increase our personal resiliency, and that's you know physically getting healthier or financially trying to do our best to, to be in a good spot and mental mm-hmm. health plays such a huge role there. And, um, so I think you really, there's, there's a huge need for it. And, and, and then the stigma has gone down ab- mm-hmm. about mental health. So I'd love to, I mean, maybe talk about the stigma first that, that, and, and how that's, how that's sort of evolved. Yeah, absolutely. So research, uh, in the mental health space is a little bit fuzzy because you can safe to assume that most stats are underreported because of stigma. So if you look at how many people are experiencing things like anxiety or depression, the rates are alarmingly high. And that's without considering things like underreporting or someone maybe not uh, sharing that they're experiencing anxiety or depression because they haven't either admitted it or sought care for it or they don't really want to. So Uh, All of which is to say over 90% of Americans express experiencing some level of unmanageable stress, which is wild. And about more than half of people who express any sort of anxious sentiment or depressive episode or high level of stress uh, do not uh, pursue care. And there's a lot of barriers to care. One of the biggest is stigma. So we're really excited to see that going down. And one indicator of it going down is generally, as far as the research shows, millennials are three times as likely to pursue mental health care than their parents. 
So that's wow. really encouraging for younger demographics. And it's uh, research suggests that younger generations are going to go that much more, which is really incredible. And one of the other barriers to care is money, uh, financial barriers to accessing therapy, particularly outpatient or private practice therapy, where historically we've had a lot of systemic obstacles of complications in the insurance system that sometimes in order to have your insurance count toward your therapy, you have to surpass some sort of deductible. And more and more deductibles are going up. So you may have a $1,000, $5,000 deductible that until you meet that, you don't receive your benefits. And all the while, rates to reimburse therapists are not going up to meet the demand. So while therapist cost of living and business expenses are going up, the reimbursement rates they're receiving from insurance are not meeting that need. So therapists are increasingly incentivized to go outside of insurance in order to really meet their expenses that they need to make for their business. So you can imagine all sorts of incentives are misaligned. And a lot of uh, there's a lot of movement in the space and a lot of organizations that are really trying to work to level out some of that financial access and or balance more pro bono or philanthropic or altruistic care in addition to some of that full fee or some of the uh, therapeutic care that might be, you know, more on the more expensive end for some. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I appreciate that. Um, it, it seems like that the shift uh, away from the stigma of, 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 of needing uh, a, of, of requiring mental mm-hmm. health care has, has been pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What what do you attribute that to? Just Yeah, it's really interesting. I think as a culture, I think we really value our role models and their opinions and in the social media world, they, some people have been, come to be known as influencers, but I think if we think about the actual meaning of the word influencer, I think when we think about professional athletes and actors and actresses and celebrities, I think they really do influence large public opinion. So I think uh, a lot can be attributed to professional athletes and actors and actresses coming out and sharing their journey and musicians. I know um, Kevin Love is big on sharing about anxiety as a professional basketball player. Beyonce has been pretty open about it, as well as a number of other musicians and actresses and actors. And I think that really sets precedent and shows modeling for people who look up to these celebrities to say, oh, wow, like if you are being this open about this, hey, maybe I can explore what I'm going through as well. I also think like contemporary culture and media contributes. So shows on HBO and Netflix that really put a spotlight on mental health and how common mental health obstacles really are. And I think a lot more content and resources that are sharing the nuance of what mental health care can be and how much when your mental health is strong, how much that actually does have a ripple effect to impact everything else. So I also think as a culture, we tend to have a hyper focus on things like the bottom line and productivity and when you're an adolescent on your grades and things that are relatively measurable. So I think more and more we're seeing quantitative information that backs up when your mental health is suffering, how much that impacts things like productivity, relationships, job performance. And when your mental health is strong, how much that benefits all of those same things. So I think uh, 
people are starting to view mental health as just as important, if not more important than your physical health, which I think for a long time we've been prioritizing making stronger and stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that really makes sense. Um, and I, I'm just, I'm just going to go off of the term nuance. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I kind of want to say continuum where on, on one side there's probably, you can just tell me what it is, horrible, like clinical type depression where it's mm-hmm. overwhelming and, 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 and you can't function mm-hmm. all the way down to, I'm, I'm just experiencing a little bit of stress because mm-hmm. I'm not getting what I want. Um, do you have a sense of, of where the majority of people who fall, fall in that continuum are? Uh, it's a good question. So I'm not familiar with, uh, exact, the exact percentage breakdown. What I would say is probably of the research that's reported of who's experiencing anxiety and depression, I would say that the symptomology of those symptoms are, are on the more clinically diagnostic side. So it would mean that the anxiety or depression is interfering with someone's day to day to some extent. So it means like they may be having difficulty getting out of bed or they may be missing more days of school or work than is permitted at their school or job. Mm. Um, but it's hard to know the nuance of quite how severe that is. What I will say is we at my Wellbeing have done a lot of surveying about more on the nuance side of I'm just not feeling 100%. I don't totally know why. And really, it's like nearly 100% of people experience that and not necessarily day in, day out, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, but in cycles. And it's a little bit more fluid. And I think we're a little bit conditioned to believe, and I'd say social media absolutely plays a big role in this, that those feelings are wrong or bad or not okay, or we have to be rid of them immediately. But I think when we actually see more of the whole story and whole picture of what someone's week by week is like, because you may have a really good day and then an off day and then a better day. And this cycle is really important to keep in mind. Uh, And when we look at that, we see that it's a really universal experience. And sometimes we can actually learn a lot and benefit a lot by practicing some curiosity and exploring what those feelings are, where they're coming from, what they might mean or what they might hold or tell or share for us rather than blocking them out or locking them out or trying to be rid of them as soon as possible. And I have to, I really think that anybody who's listening to this probably intellectually understands, yep, it's really, (laughs) it's, it's impossible to actually bottle these things up and get rid of them and, the idea of doing that simply means that one day I'm going to explode. Yeah. So that being said, it, that's that's really that's really what I wanted to get to is is what can people be doing? How yeah. how 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 do they start to? And the answer is how 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 do they start to maybe self-diagnose and, and say okay. Maybe this is just something I need to be thinking about and, and, and explore my feelings or, you know what, I feel like I really do need professional help. Yeah, absolutely. And even just to add to, to emphasize and underscore what you said in full agreement, even if it's not bottle up until it explodes, it's bottle up and up and then the feelings and sentiments are going to find an outlet. Mm. And if you 
don't choose your outlet. The feelings and sentiments will choose one for you, and it may not be your preferred choice. (laughs) So it may be a physical ailment. You may start having chronic pain or digestive issue. It may be a relational so you know, you may lash out at your significant other, at your coworkers, at something that would otherwise, you know, not be a huge offense, but the reaction seems to be larger than the original, you know, trigger or event itself. And so what I'd say is how do you start to identify? This may sound a little bit radical, but I would say truly everyone can benefit from some introspection and putting in place like support systems and outlets for stress relief. So it's almost in my mind, not a question of can you or should you revisit or proactively set yourself up for success here? Almost everyone should, even if you're in a great place, there are ways where you can level that up. So imagine, you know, how much deeper and richer your relationships might be or how much more focus you might have at work, how much more clarity you might feel about the direction you're heading And if you're in a darker place or a foggier place, there are ways that you can return to baseline, I like to say. So return into like a window of tolerance or distress level that's more tolerable for you. And then when in a place where you feel a little bit more stable is when you're going to put into place the proactive steps. So along that spectrum of if, if things are feeling really out of control, you're going to want to take steps and measures to return to something that uh, an experience that feels more within your control as soon as possible. And then when things feel within your control, that's when you start proactively setting up routines and systems and processes to be preventive and to maintain that control. So what I'd say is some practices blend, they're beneficial in both states. So meditation, for example, is one of those where in the moment, if you do some breathing exercises for at least three minutes, you can de-escalate a panic attack or an anxious episode or even animate a depressive episode. So meanwhile, if you put into place, say, a 15-minute-a-day meditation practice, that can also have really long-term benefits for your mental health, your physical health. And believe it or not, research shows that it will actually you know, change the shape and function of your brain in a positive way. So that's one example of a practice that benefits both. Physical exercise is similar. If you're feeling heightened stress or a little bit anxious, to get your heart rate up can help regulate some of your neurotransmitters and just de-escalate some of the panic sensation. And as we know, you know, regular physical exercise can help with all sorts of physical health benefits And if you find an exercise or activity that you enjoy, regularly engaging with the feeling of joy is super protective against chronic stress, anxiety, depression. And to know that at least once a week or maybe even a few times a week, you have something to look forward to where hypothetically, if you experience something very stressful on a Tuesday and you know that you have your boxing class on Thursday or your at-home YouTube video, you can. Com- it's easier to compartmentalize some of the stress and anxiety on Tuesday and channel that into your outlet, even if it's not in that exact moment. So 
I'm a little biased, but I'd also say that therapy is a remarkable resource. What I will say is therapy does change in its style and presentation if you're in a particularly activated state or if you're approaching it more proactively as a preventive tool. So when the ways that you're going to learn the most about yourself, dig into some of your conditioning and your relationships and your patterns, that's going to be really like benefit you a hundred times over in the longer run. Whereas in the short run, if you're really in a crisis or if you're really feeling like you're in a foggy place, you need more support, uh, you may benefit from using some shorter term tools with your clinician. So they may walk you through breathing exercises in session, and they'll also probably help you to prioritize like physical and mental safety. So usually if you're in a really activated state, it's because to some degree you feel unsafe and your life feels threatened, whether or not that threat is is real in reality or is something that is presenting, something within you has been triggered. So it's similar where you're, you're trying to ground and return to a place of control and relative safety. Then when you're in that place, you can really plant seeds to have more control, maintain that, sa- that sense of safety, and really start building like, the life that you want for the future. Nice. So... How how do I go about even finding finding a therapist and then finding the right one? Yeah, that's a great question. And one that we founded My Wellbeing around. So if you're in the New York area or if you're open to virtual teletherapy, My Wellbeing can absolutely help. And the way that we go about helping you find a therapist is we ask you a little bit about what you're looking for and we match according to things like logistics, so fee, availability, We ask about different issue areas, like if you're hoping to work through burnout or career stress. We ask about different style preferences, and usually in some sort of directory, or if you're looking through insurance, you might see words like CBT or EMDR, and there's all sorts of acronyms for how therapists are trained. We understand that that can be a little bit confusing for most So instead, we've created a few archetypes that can help you point you in the right direction. So we ask things like, would you like homework between sessions? How interested or disinterested are you in that? And based on how you answer questions like that, we help filter through what type of technique and training might be best for you. And then we ask about identity information. So maybe there is a gender or a race or an age in the clinician that helps you feel most safe, that you can be vulnerable, that you can trust them. And based on all of those things, we then send you three clinicians who we think will be strong fits for you. And you have a free phone consultation with them to see what that's like. And we send you guiding content every step of the way to say, here's the way to make the bat, make the most of your phone consultation. Here's how you can gauge your fit. And then you choose your fit and move forward and start therapy. So to paint, you know, the how-tos of that, if you were to search outside of my well-being, are I recommend thinking a little bit about what what brings you to therapy and thinking a little bit about what does quote unquote success of that relationship look like for you? Is it something where you're learning a lot about yourself? It's something you're investing in for the long term. Is it something that you 
are wanting to have some sort of short-term outcome. Maybe you're having difficulty falling asleep and you want the outcome is I want to fall asleep in less time and have more restful sleep. Maybe that can be a shorter term engagement. So thinking a little bit about your why. And once you have clarity around the why, maybe doing a little bit of digging or research around what types of therapy may be the best fit for that, that reason. And then I, uh, this may sound counterintuitive, but sometimes the resources are out there for what you need. They're just a little bit clunky and they can be a little bit time consuming. So I would set your expectations up accordingly. So for example, if you're going to search through insurance, the usual process is that you'd find some sort of directory through your insurance, or you can call your insurance and receive a number of names who are in network. Now, those each of those individuals, one of the things that you can expect is they may not necessarily have availability or they may not answer. So if you don't know that going in, it can feel really discouraging. But if you anticipate that going in and say, okay, I might have to call like 10, 15 people, that's fine. Mm. If that's if that's the base expectation, then when or if someone doesn't answer, it's less of an abrupt, oh, that's it, like I don't have patience, I'm not gonna pursue this. And it's like, okay, we knew that, right? Like we knew someone's like this percentage wasn't gonna reply, let me keep going. So I would encourage you to set aside more time than you think, and then recognizing that it's an upfront time investment for what will ultimately be a really fulfilling relationship. and the the ratio between how much fee or insurance is a is a top imp, of top importance to you the more that that's true i'd say the more time you can anticipate investing in finding someone but the more that that's true the more important it is that that person is a network or that that person is affordable so don't if you know your budget don't push yourself out of your budget for the sake of saving time up front, because what that may do is it may put pressure on you throughout the duration of your therapy because of the finances. So just set your expectations and remind yourself like, okay, there may be a little bit of a lift up front, but I'm going to invest three hours into this search process. And I'm going to put half an hour, um, half an hour a day, every other, you know, however you want to allocate it. And, um, assuredly, like you will find your person. It's just a little bit of being your own internal coach and internal motivator through the process. I love it. That makes sense. Well, Alyssa, Savage Nation, is you ready for your difference-making tip? What do you have for them? Yeah. My difference-making tip is to consider your mental health as important as your physical health and to take one small step today toward strengthening your mental health, however that looks for you. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely hits. Come on. Come on. And I, I, I just couldn't agree more. Um, making sure that you are being mindful of, that kind of sounds dumb <laughs> to say, be, 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 but being considerate and being thoughtful about, about your mental health and doing something yeah. about it today. I love it. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and where can they learn more about my well-being? Thanks so much for having me. You can learn more about my well-being at mywellbeing.com. You can find us on Instagram at findmywellbeing. 
And you can learn about me in the same place. My Instagram's at Alyssa Petersell, or you can learn more about all of us at mywellbeing.com. And we look forward to keeping in touch. Awesome. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Alyssa your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to mywellbeing.com. Find them on Instagram as well. And um, also, Alyssa, you, you mentioned that you work with organizations. So uh, if somebody's working with an organ, if somebody has an employer or they are an employer and they're mm-hmm. interested, they can also find that information at your site. Yes, mywellbeing.com in the top right navigation bar, it says enterprise. Perfect. Thanks again, Alyssa. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.